0: Welcome to Grace Point. And uh, we started something last week that we're going to continue on, on in even into next week, uh, looking at pathways uh, and really hopefully finding the pathway that God has for you. But I have to say, warn you that uh, we are picking up right where we left off. And we are jumping in deep today. So if you missed last week, I'd encourage you to go online, either watch it online on, on Vimeo there or uh, download the podcast and listen to it. It reminds me where, where we're going to go today. It reminds me, I feel, it will feel a lot like the time that Lori and I went to Universal Studios in Orlando. And right before we go at the hotel, we ate this big buffet. Uh, And then we go, and I don't even know if this roller coaster is there any longer, Uh, but we went and I think it was the Incredible Hulk or something like that, and we got in line, we were first in line, first in the park, we were first at everything, first in the buffet line as well, And, uh, and we were the first ones to get sick on that ride that day, I'll promise you that. Because whenever I'd never been on a roller coaster like this. I'm not a big roller coaster guy. Uh, I know it's wimpy sh- about me, but all of a sudden, I, I understand even Silver Dollar City has one of these now, powder keg or something like that, where all of a sudden you're sitting there in your seats. I'd never been on this before. Not this little trick, 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 trick. You just shoot and you're gone. And then the rest of the ride, you're looping and you're going and whatever. Needless to say, the big buffet was not conducive to the big explosion on the incredible Hulk. The rest of that day was very uneventful. We went to the kitty park and played foosball. Uh, that's how uneventful that day was. We never got our stomachs back until mid-afternoon. Well, I hopefully don't make you sick today in my message, but it's gonna feel a lot like that. Because where I'm gonna to start today is not exactly a pleasant thought. I want you to be thinking of and it'll all tie together and it'll fit together, but it's not going to start with green pastures and we're not going to start with with streams of living water and we're not going to start with restoring our souls. That's last week, but it does tie to this week and so it's not we're, we're not in a, in a different passage, but I want you to think of the number one season of your life that was the or is maybe you're still in it the most violent, traumatic, painful, maybe even regretful season that you've ever had? Think about it. What is the most painful, traumatic crisis that you've ever experienced? Maybe it's the darkest moment of your life. I promise you, even as I ask that question, if you have had any dark, dark seasons of your life, you immediately thought of it. Now what I want you to do is I want you to write that down. Now, maybe somebody's sitting next to you and you don't necessarily want them to know what that is, but I want you to symbol it. Give a symbol, give a word, give a thought, give an idea, draw a picture on the top of your notes if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to do that. And I want you to think about that one season, that one event in your life that has stuck with you to this day. Now I want you to think of number two. And I want you to do the same thing. I want you to write down the two most painful events, dark moments, dark seasons of your life. And throughout the rest of this message, I want that to just let there, sit there and marinate. Not because I'm trying to bring up dark days in your life, but I want you to think about dark moments for a moment. That's why I'm telling you, this is that roller coaster ride that shoots off and we go into a place that maybe some of us don't really want to go. We've closed that off. We've court ordered off. If you're living in it, it's really hard to court it off. It's really hard to silence the pains. And I want you to think about that. Now, while you're thinking about that, I'll tell you what it is not, okay? So on Tuesday morning, I wake up to the grinding of a coffee maker in, the, in, 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 in our kitchen, which is a beautiful sound to, to any coffee drinker that, to wake you up in the morning to the aromas and the sound of coffee. And it's, every morning at 4.30 in the morning, that's what happens, that's what I wake up to. And, and I go in after my shower and I, and I pull the coffee out and there's no coffee in the coffee, there's no water, it's, it's, it's all a mess. Now, I had to, at 5 o'clock in the morning, do open heart surgery on a grinding coffee machine. I had to find my glasses, I had to get a flashlight, I had to get tools, and even in my best of moments, tools in my hands don't go together. And I had to unplug the coffee maker. I had to disassemble the coffee maker. I had to figure out that the grinds had plugged up. And that I, now I've got this problem. So I had to unplug the grinds. And that was a very dark moment. It felt like the valley of the shadow of death. But that's not what I'm talking about. If that's the darkest moment of your life, then then please. If you got a speeding ticket this past week, you cannot call that the valley of the shadow of death in your life. All right, because you need to be thankful for all the other times you didn't get a speeding ticket when you should have got a speeding ticket and you just finally got caught. All right, when I'm talking about dark moments, I'm talking about seasons. I'm talking about something that could last for months. I'm talking about something where you literally lost control over something in your life, someone in your life, some circumstance in your life, some career in your life, some health issue in your life, where you literally felt as if everything that you thought life was going to go in this direction is going in this direction and maybe even going in this direction. And if you were here with us last week, as we started studying Psalm chapter 23, you kind of know where I'm going. We stopped at verse 3. We only read through verse 3, but we're going to be at verse 4 today, and that's all we're going to talk about. But I want you to think about this in terms of one word. If you could put one word over that season. Maybe for some of you it was the word moving, fill in the blank, moving here or moving from here, moving from this house to that house. If you're a student and you're in school, uh, it was moving from this school to that school. All your friends were back here, but now you're over here, and nobody's your friend dark seasons. What word would you put over your dark season? Would it be divorce? Would it be death? Would it be diagnosis? Would it be career? Would it be infertility? Would it be relationship? Would it be betrayal? Would it be loss? And when I say loss, that encompasses a lot of things. It could be the, the loss of a dream. I thought my life would be here at this age I thought my career would be here at this age. I never would have dreamed I would have been in this broken relationship. That wasn't my five-year plan. That wasn't my life plan. It's the loss of a dream. Maybe it's the loss of innocence. Maybe somebody stepped into your world, into your life that you trusted, and they hurt you harmfully, shamefully hurt you. Darkness comes over our soul. Pain, suffering, crisis, trauma, shattered dreams, they're all indescribable and they're all very painful and we all go through them to some degree. Maybe it's a chronic illness, maybe it's something physiological, maybe it's emotional. There's, there's so many different patterns of this. And one of the things that I'm learning in this whole process of life is that they're unavoidable. And anybody who will try to sell you a pill, a pathway, or a religion, that if you take this path, that if you think these thoughts, if you pray this way, if you do this, that all your problems will go away. Absolutely, they're selling you a lie. So, Mike, why, why, why would I even come to church today to, as negative as you are? Just hang with me on this. Because I first got to wake us up to the reality that there is no secret pill, pathway, or prayer to personal life free of pain and suffering. So what we go through and what you, maybe some in this room are going through right in this very moment in time could be so painful and so devastating But how do you get out of it? How do you cope with it? And if you read any of the authors out there today, if you listen to any of the talk show hosts out there today, the number one message that they're going to want to give you is the message of coping, the message of getting out as fast as you can, the message of medication, the the, the, the message of here's a solution to get out the back door as fast as you can. But here, let me give you another solution. And it's not avoidance. Walk through it. Walk through the pain. Experience the pain at a different soul level. Realizing that, that God may have actually be allowing you to, to experience that pain, to do something in you that wouldn't happen had that pain not entered in. Now, let's not exacerbate the issue. Let's not bring pain on ourselves. We're going to talk about that for just a moment today. But that's not the heart of the message. The heart of the message is the fact that sometimes good, godly people, sometimes people who pay taxes and vote Republican, or uh, sometimes people who, who, who believe it, except for Trump. You know, sometimes uh, sometimes if you, you you do live a certain kind of way, that that, that all troubles go away. That's a big lie. There's a, there's a pathway out the back door. And I'm realizing that more and more. About nine months ago, I don't know when it was exactly, but about nine months ago, um, there was a season going around in, in, in our faith family where there was a lot of hurting people. Some of y'all know who you, because you're that person. It was, it was all those words that I just talked about, betrayal, relationships, career, lost their career, got laid off. It, it was, uh, it was uh, diagnosis. There were things like that that were going on and, and there, there weren't answers to some of them. There wasn't an answer to some of them. And people were literally just dealing with them, coping with them. And how do, how do we as a pastoral team come along beside? Because sometimes that's all we can do is come along beside. We can't fix it. We don't have the secret lever pill prayer that makes it all go away and all of us dance through fields again sometimes we have to just walk through the pain anyway about nine months ago i realized this and at the same time i don't i was unsolicited i didn't go out looking for them but i literally had magazine articles i had things drop into my inbox i literally had a publisher send me a book i didn't solicit ask for or order or anything but it was all books articles things related to pain and suffering and so I just kind of filed that away, put the books on the shelf and said, thank you, but no, thank you. I don't want to talk about that because typically that means I'm going to have to experience some of that. So in the process, I'm giving you a long story to say that a few weeks ago, I go back, I go on my study sabbatical and start studying for the coming year's messages. And again, I go away not thinking about this, but I told the staff about nine months ago, I think that God may be somewhere some down the road leading me to share a series of messages on pain and suffering. And I don't know what that's going to mean or look like, and I'm certainly not looking forward to it. And so on the very first day of my study sabbatical, I'm opening up my Bible. I'm sitting there at my desk. I'm sitting there thinking and praying. And it was as if God said this. You remember about nine months ago when all that was happening? Well, it's time. Normally, I come back from a study sabbatical just to kind of give you the, the perspective on it. I come back with about a year's worth of messages, not, not, not complete in any sense of the word, but a sense of idea, direction of where I'm going with four or five different message series. I came back with, from this study sabbatical with one message series. The entire time, God kept pointing to, leaning in on, resurrecting in my own life different pains and different issues and different struggles in different books and different articles. And I spent the entire week just absolutely studying it. It's going to actually lead, culminate in a series of messages that's not starting today. It's not even going to start till mid-October, but it's one that God is working into me. And the one thing that I'm realizing is that good people, godly people, people that fill up the room, that fill up this room right here and now, can live good lives and at the same time experience some of the most light life- Excruciating dream shattering kinds of pain, and what do you do with it? And how do you make it through it? I didn't want to, I don't want to, I don't want this series. I'd rather talk about butterflies and rainbows, I I, I would much rather talk about uh, five ways to success and happiness. But I really believe whether you are in a storm right now, coming out of a storm or you're about to go into one, we all need to hear about this. Because the reality is, whether you're good, bad, ugly, tall, skinny, whatever, whether you're educated uneducated, whether you're Baptist or Methodist, whatever the case may be, you will experience pain. Matthew chapter 5, verse 45 makes it clear. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And one of the things we talked about last week is this guy named David, King David. And even King David, I said life principle last week, even a king needs a shepherd. And by all means, as we talked about last week, we talked about green pastures and fields and, and water and brooks and, and, and restoration and paths of righteousness. It, oh, yes, I take me there. I want that kind of shepherd. But at the same time, I did you an injustice knowing that I was going to have this week to, to kind of come back and rectify it. I did you an injustice by giving you the impression that it just ends at verse 3. But actually, this paragraph doesn't end until after verse 4, that literally the same shepherd who leads us to green pastures and leads us beside the still waters and restores our souls and leads us in paths of righteousness also leads us through valleys of the shadow of death. And when we go through these valleys of the shadow of death, how do we pass through them? And David himself experienced these same valleys. When you look at David's life and you understand King David's life, he he struggled, he had valleys with his family life. He had one son who wanted to kill him. And to become the king. He had another son who walked with God and was very wise, King Solomon. We know that, but also, just one generation away, David's son Solomon turns away from God. We find that in 1 Kings chapter 11 verse 4, and it says, Solomon grew old. His wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. Moms, dads, we might think that the next generation's safe and secure because you got them at Grace Point and they're in the student ministry or they're in the, they're in the uh, children's ministry. But listen, nobody's safe. And we got to keep praying for our kids, but David himself experienced family crises of his own children walking away from God. He went through career crises. I told you about his son who tried to overthrow him, uh, own coup d'etat within his own family to overthrow him. But he spent, even after he was anointed by Samuel to be king of Israel, he spent years of his life running for his life, praying for his life because Saul and his armies were after King David. One of the passages that we're going to read from and study from in the series coming up, the pain uh, and power, uh, uh, or excuse me, the, the pleasure and pain, uh, 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 excuse me, the next series uh, in, in a few months. Um, the pleasure and power of pain. That's the title of the series. Uh, Psalm 54 is a passage that we're going to look at. And you hear in the voice of David here, God, for your sake, help me. Use your influence to clear me. Listen, God, I'm desperate. Don't be too busy to hear me. How many times does God seem so far off? outlaws are out to get me. Hitmen are trying to kill me. Nothing will stop them. They're wanting your job. They're wanting your home. They're wanting your spouse. They're wanting you. They are coming after you. And what do you do? God, where are you? David is going through a season of depression in Psalm 54. We're going to look at it in detail. But he also had his personal dark spots, his personal dark valleys that he went through. It says this also in Psalm 42. It says in the message, it says, I am a, on a diet of tears. Tears for breakfast, tears for supper. All day long, people knock at my door, pestering, where is this God of yours? These are the things I go over and over, emptying my, out the pockets of my life. He was bankrupt. He was impoverished. Where are you, God? And whenever you're living in a season of pain, when you're going through a time of suffering, you wonder where God is. As you're going through that valley and that deep darkness of it all, you're, you're questioning God. And I get it and He gets it. And it's been that way through the years. And so, hey, here's a good time to go to another church if you don't want to talk about pain and suffering. And I don't want to talk about it any more than you want to experience it. But the reality is, is it's out there. And we will go through it. But how well we go through it, are we just going to cope and get by with it, is going to be a lot of how we do deal with Psalm 23. Now, we read this last week. I want to read it again. I want us to to, to read uh, the whole thing. Uh, In fact, uh, I want us to look at Psalm 23, uh, verses uh, uh, 1 to 3. I want you to say it with me out loud, actually, okay? So here he is. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. All right? So I want that verse to go away, and I want us to say it out loud together, those verses to go away, all right? So here it is The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Now the passage goes on, and we're going to go on and read that, but just in case you thought, I can't memorize that. That's too big for me. Several of y'all, thankfully, have posted on my Facebook this past week of a little kid who memorized... The entire 23rd Psalm, all right? And so I think as a matter of shame on you, no, no, as a matter of encouragement to you, I want you to watch this little boy and then just uh, let it be a point of inspiration. So, guys, can you roll that video? I should not vote. are making me to lie down on he led me beside the still water. He restored my soul. He led me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Neither do I walk to the belly of the shadow of the death. I will feel no evil without all with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thy pivot table for me, and I present my enemies. Thy noise of my head went off. My cup went it over. All of my shirt sure, sure, shirts, mercy shall find me all the days of my life. I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Oh. Amen. Amen. To that, yeah. <laughs> no excuses now, all right? So let's pick up right where we left off, and this is where we're going to go today. So let's say it together again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, here's where we're going to go today. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Keep going. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I hope that you every day will read and memorize this passage. But today, let's talk about pain. Because when we're talking about dealing with walking through life and the reality of pain, how do we deal with it? When you go back to that verse, throw verse four back up there on the screen, guys. I want you to see the two pronouns in there, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I walk will fear no evil. I want you to see those two declarations of David as two declarations or two pathways that you and I should take as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And we're all going to do it at times and seasons of our life. And so here are the two pathways when passing through the darkness. One is that you don't stop standing. Don't stop, stand, or detour the dark valleys, but walk through them walk through them. Now you might say, Mike, <laughs> I'd love to detour them. Certainly, I don't want to stop in them. I don't want to stand. In them. I want to get around them. I want to get out. But what, I, what, what do you say today? Walk through them. Go through them. Here's a phrase for you. And it may seem sadistic and it's really not meant to be. It may seem masochistic. It's really not meant to be. The whole idea is embrace your pain, whatever that pain is. Whether it's a chronic pain, whether it's a physical pain, whether it's emotional pain, whether it's a, a relationship pain, whether it's a career pain, well, whatever that pain is, embrace the pain that you may be experiencing. Whether that be health or relationship or family or financial or personal goals and ambitions or loss of a dream and career, embrace your pains. The reality of life is going to be full of pain and there's no secret pathway past the pain. John chapter 16, verse 33 should be something we should hang our hats on and just realize this. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Where does the peace come from? Where does it originate? What do I anchor myself to? Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows. What so many of us do is anchor our sense of peace, our sense of comfort, our sense of freedom from sorrow, pain, and suffering to something other than Jesus. When Jesus said that the peace is in him, I am the peace, I'm the source of peace, I will give you peace. So even when you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, who is going to be your peace? Your peace is going to be Jesus. But if you anchor your life to your career, you anchor your life to your children, you anchor your life to your relationship, you anchor your peace to anything else, it will crumble eventually. And then life falls apart. You anchor your life to your health, it will crumble. You need to, and I need to, look deeply into our soul. Whenever that pain comes, and we need to ask ourselves a very simple first question Who is our shepherd? Who is our shepherd? Everything that I'm saying in this passage, everything I'm saying this week, last week, and next week is tied back to the very first verse, the very first phrase, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The only way that I'm going to see verse 1 all the way to verse 6 true in my life. The only way is that the Lord is my shepherd. Any other shepherd, any other lead, any other guide, any other voice, any other, any other, any other is not going to lead me in the paths that God would have me to go or the path that's going to bring peace to me. So, if the Lord is not your shepherd, If God is not your shepherd, what do you do? Well, there's one word for that. Repent. Whatever it is. I I don't care what it is. Job, relationship, morality issues, whatever it may be. Whatever it is, get away from it. Run from it. Change from it. uh, Put it out of your life. Uh, Change your attitude. Change change your actions. change, Change. Just move away. Run to the other direction. If anything such as... Anything in your life that would cause you, move you away from God, move you off center from Him being your shepherd. Because what happens then is I bring on my own pain and then I blame God because I have pain. I think God is unjust because I am suffering. No, you're your own shepherd. You called your own shots. I heard this past week of a, of a person who was with a counselor, and the counselor told the counselor that, that they were not going to follow God if God didn't heal their father of lung cancer. They'd been praying, they'd been giving, they'd been serving, they'd been doing everything that they could do to, for, their fa- for her father to be healed, ignoring the fact that he had been smoking for 20 years. Was it God's fault that he had cancer, or was it his fault? I'm not, I'm not trying to be insensitive here. What I am trying to say is this, who's your shepherd? Because the reality is if I'm my own shepherd, I might have created my own mess. Now, there's a way out of that, but that's not what this message is about because I want to turn to the the other side. The other reality is not that every bad thing doesn't all equal out. Life is not going to always be fair because the reality is, is that good, godly people suffer as well, which leads me to the second answer. If the Lord is your shepherd, what do you do with pain? Keep walking keep moving. Don't stand and wallow. There's several things that I'd like to point out that we that we need not to do. Don't stop and wallow in the pain. All right? Listen, David himself said, looked back at his life, and in Psalm 119.71, he says, it was good for me to be afflicted. There was something about the affliction that 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 David experienced, that helped his life forward. So can I, will I embrace the pain enough to grow through the pain, to go through the pain, to grow through the pain, to become through the pain that God is allowing me to experience? Don't stop and wallow. You know, whenever the series comes up in mid-October, I cannot preach through th- that series and not come to the life of Job. I mean, what, what, what a life. If you don't know the life of Job, just read chapter 1. You get the picture. A good and godly man suffering. A good and godly man in this world treated unfairly. By every, every standard in the world. And for the rest of the 40-something chapters of the book, it's all about trying to answer the question, why? Why the suffering? His friends are throwing insults in and adding suggestions to this. Why? 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 Here's why, because you did this. Here's why, here's why, here's why. It's just the rest of the book. And you get to the very last chapter, and we still don't know why. You, listen, listen, listen. You may end your life not knowing why that happened to you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But what we do in that season of pain and suffering is we get to know God at a level that we would never have known Him any other way. And we get to see Him as who He is. We have to trust His character we get we get to see past the circumstances and see whom we get to see the person of Jesus because that's who we're anchored to for peace anyway. And who is this Jesus guy? He is the Good Shepherd, John chapter ten. John chapter ten verse eleven: I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for His sheep. So the good sh- the shepherd is Jesus, and He's the one who's going to lead us through the pain. Don't stand and ignore the pain. So many. People today try to whitewash the pain, try to deny the pain, try to have positive mental images beyond the pain, think positive thoughts in the reality that doesn't fix it. That just leads to depression. Depressed workers cost the U.S. companies $44 billion every year in lost wages. You need a community around you. You need a communitas group in your life. You need trusted people within your communitas group that you can believe, uh, that you can suffer with, that they can suffer with you, that you can walk through life with. Don't detour and avoid. Don't detour and avoid the pain. <laughs> I tell you, the most popular verse in the Bible, I say it in the Bible. The most popular verse I hear people say more than anything else when making hard decisions is this. God just wants me to be happy. I've not found that verse anywhere in the Bible. But people will literally end their marriage and they will say this statement to me. They'll have the audacity to say this. God just wants me to be happy. Really? I thought He wants you to be His follower and He will lead you, and you will be fulfilled. He will lead you to the green pastures. He will lead you beside the still waters. And yes, at times, He will lead you through even dark valleys. Because a great place, if there was that verse was in the Bible, then 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 would be a great place for this verse. I mean, throw that up there. Guys, I mean, you can just see it. All who desire to live godly life in Christ Jesus will be happy. We'll be successful. No, what's it say? We'll be persecuted. So he promises suffering and pain and disappointment. He promises if you live godly in Christ Jesus, he promises that if you go through dark, here, 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 get this down, life principle, get this down. God uses darkness and pain to enlarge our souls. Some of us have really small souls. God uses the darkness and the pain to enlarge our souls. Larry Krabs in his book... Shattered dreams. He says, people who find some way to deaden their pain. What happens? Pain comes on. Suffering comes on. We go out. We find a way to medicate it. We retail shop. We, we we find pills. We find drugs. We find alcohol. We find another relationship. We go out and we try to deaden the pain inside of us. Never discover their desire for God in all of its fullness. See, God may actually be allowing you to go through the pain so that you might find a deeper desire for him. And in that deeper desire for him, find that he can be your your good shepherd to get you through that. You, you, you see that train of thought through there? They'd rather, live a re, they'd rather live for relief and become addicts to whatever provides it. The, the, the function of pain is to carry us into an inner recesses of our being that once God, we need to let soul pain do its work by experiencing it fully. So if you don't stop and if you if you don't leave if, if you don't do all what do you do? Here's what you do. You walk and become. You walk and become. You walk through the pain though I walk through the valley of the shadow though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Though I walk, yes, continue to walk and let God make of you. You're going to hear this statement a lot in the coming series, but I want to say it now to just kind of prep and prime the pump for you, all right? Here's life principle for you. Pain will make you or break you. I know that's a common phrase. We say it a lot, but there's another part to that. You will decide which it will be. You will decide. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. Jesus himself experienced suffering. He, Christ, learned obedience through what he suffered. James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4, talks about this. It says, Consider it great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, but endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature, complete, lacking in nothing. There's so much more I could say and need to say, but I'm going to have to save it. The reality is that we don't stop. You don't linger. You don't detour. You walk through the pain, whatever the pain is. Realize this, that if the Lord is your shepherd and he's led you through that valley of the shadow of death, he didn't leave you alone. He didn't lead you there alone. He's not going to abandon you. He is going to walk with you and you will experience him at far deeper levels, and you will come out mature, complete, lacking in nothing. Here's the second pathway. Don't allow fear to grip you while Jesus is leading you. If he is your shepherd and he is leading you through the valleys, If he's leading you to the pastures, if he's leading you by the still waters, if he's leading you down the pathways of righteousness for his name's sake, it may literally involve going through the valley of the shadow of death. If he is leading you, then there is a trust element that goes into play here. But what will happen, listen, 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 what will happen is entering into your life will be fear. What happens whenever you go through death valley? What happens whenever you go through the shadow of the valley of death? All of a sudden you want to grab a hold of something for your dear life. Something secure, something that, that, will, that, that, that will be okay. And so what it does is it triggers a fear inside of us. Donald Miller said it like this, fear tricks us into living a boring life. So we just stay close to home. We say safe. We, we, we don't want to get out where it's dangerous. We don't want to get too close to the edge. And so we become ra- enraptured by fear. And fear drives us not, when, even when Jesus is leading us. University of Michigan did a study on fear. Fear, and risk, risk management, and all the effects. And the study determined that 60% of our fears are unwarranted. 20% had already become past events, so you couldn't do anything about them. Another 10% were so petty that really if they happened, it wouldn't change your life up or down really one way or the other. So what about the last 10%? They actually said about 4 to 5% were real justified fears. But yet fear will cripple so many of us. Fear will cripple us from moving out. Fear will cripple us from entering in. Whatever, fill in the blank. And all along, what did, what did David say? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. There are two reasons fear shouldn't stop you in the valley. Stall you in the valley, keep you in the valley. One is that God's abiding presence. Because you're with me. If you let me here, you won't leave me here. Don't doubt in the dark what God has revealed in the light. Keep moving, keep processing, keep going. So many of us stop in fear and freeze up in fear when God is leading us. People won't go on global adventures for fear of what may happen over there. Yet, the very passage that tells us to go to the ends of the earth and make disciples of all nations, he says, "...and lo, I am with you always." People will not take on a first grade class to teach the children Bible stories for fear or laziness. I don't know what it may be, but they'll fear that the kid, a first grader, might know more than they do, so they don't ask and they don't get, they don't jump in. And Jeremiah 18 verse 2 says, I will give you my message. I will give you my message. Fear stops so many of us, and we end up living small, boring lives because of fear. I did not count these, Lloyd Oglesby counted them, but he said there are 366 times in the Scripture that it tells us to fear not, one for every day of the year and even leap year. So think about it. The second reason fear should not stop me is not only that His presence, and that He's with me, but His guiding presence. His abiding presence, yes, you led me here, God, but also His guiding presence. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. Your rod and your staff. Two different elements. What, what, what do they do? What do they mean? The rod is a form of protection. It equals protection. The best way I can illustrate this is to take you to Africa, to take you to Kenya, to introduce you to the Maasai tribe, to introduce you to the Kikuyu tribes. And you'll notice that they carry around with them when they're out with their herds, or the key chiefs or the kings will carry around a decorated what's called a rungu. And this rungu is what they will take to beat off lion, to beat off enemy, to beat off any wild dogs, to beat off anybody who's going to prey on their livestock. God said, I am going to be your shepherd. I will lead you in the valleys. times, but when I'm there, I'm going to have my rod and I'm going to be with you. Nothing's going to happen to you that I'm not unaware of. There's never, here's here's a good principle for you, there's never any emergency meetings in heaven. God's never caught off guard by your crises. He's always got a rod, but he also has a staff. His staff is there to guide us. As you know, the little staff there to give us direction, that staff is there when that sheep would start wandering off. They'd have that little hook and they'd just bring that little sheep back, bring him back in line. They wouldn't want to damage the sheep. They would just bring him back in line. Listen, when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, it's going to be dark, it's going to be dangerous, it's going to be painful. But the beauty is you're not there alone if the Lord is your shepherd. And who is the shepherd? Remember, the shepherd is Jesus, the good shepherd. That's the character of the one that we follow. Whenever you look at this passage, I didn't even bring this up. I didn't even highlight this, but I want to do this in closing today. It says, and though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, casts this image of darkness. One of the great pastors of the 20th century, was Donald Gray Barnhouse of the 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It was there for a number of years. Tragically, his wife died when his children were still young. One day he was walking, or actually driving, but walking mentally and emotionally with his daughter through the loss of her mother. And what that was like, and what the emotions of that experience and why isn't mom coming home and so many questions, so many questions unanswered. And uh, then about the same time on the highway, a large semi-truck passes casting a shadow over their car and keeps right on going. So smart dad turns to daughter real quickly and says, hey, would you rather be run over by that Mack truck or by its shadow. Uh, by its shadow. <laughs> and he pointed his daughter to this passage of scripture. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And then he used it as a gospel time for his little daughter, and he said this. He said, Two thousand years ago, a mat truck ran over the life of Jesus. And Jesus became death so that we could become life. Jesus became life so that we could have his life, so that we could experience eternity. And he looked at his daughter and he said, your mother wasn't hit by a truck. She was hit by a shadow. She lives you live, I live, we live. We will live one day with her. We will be together again because she is not she's not run over by a truck. She's been run over by a shadow. And here's the beauty of the Lord being your shepherd is that you will go through dark valleys and you will go through death and you will go through pain and you will go through loss, but you will not go through it alone. The best way I can think to end this gathering today as you think about the Lord, he is my she- I hope he is. Is to give you opportunities as we did in our first gathering, just to pray. And so all around this room, I'm going to have people. They're going to be up at the front. They're going to be on the landing back there. And they're, they're, some, of our, they're some of our pastoral team. And they're, they're just here to pray with you. They're spouses of our pastoral team. They're just here to pray with you. They're not going to ask you anything. You don't have to. They're not going to come to you. You will go to them. But it's going to be a matter of you stepping out. And you don't even have to say anything. You just go up to them. And they'll just take you by the hand. And they'll just pray for you. Or you can say, I need prayer for this. I'm in a valley of this right here. Would you pray for me? And they'll pray for you. But I want us to pray together now, together. Prayer partners, would you move to around the room right now? Some of them have lanyards around their neck, and you'll, you'll see them, you'll find them. But I want us all to pray. God, you, you know our hearts, you know what's going on. You know the darkness, the pain, the valley, the shadow of death that some of us are walking in right now. Oh. oh don't 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 let don't let fear grip us when you're trying to lead us oh, help us to find freedom Lord in this time in this place in this room right now I pray that you would you would raise up you would use our prayer partners, just to pray over your people, Lord, and use them as instruments to voice what some in this room don't even have the words to say. But, Lord, would you show up in the prayers of the people right now? Lord, thank you for loving us. We rest in that, our good shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? Did you sing with us if you need prayer go right now this is your time